Hello, everyone. Welcome to Radically Loved Radio. I wanted to create a place where people can go to to get inspired, get motivated, or find some clarity and get tools to create a radically loved life. I will do my best to provide information on a variety of subjects, including yoga, holistic health, life coaching, spirituality, meditation, and overall mindful living. Each episode will bring you some of the world's best spiritual leaders, entrepreneurs, yoga teachers, coaches, along with some of my closest friends, and we will talk about their life experiences and journeys to create something more out of their lives and how they continue to grow to make that happen. Thanks for listening. Rasa is more than just a coffee alternative. Rasa coffee is herbalist formulated to ensure safety, quality, and efficacy. That was my dog barking in the background because she agrees with me. Okay, so here's why I love Rasa coffee. Not only is it a female-owned business, I've yet to meet a coffee company that is as ethical and sustainable as Rasa is. Those of you who listen to the podcast already know that my favorite is the spicy rose cacao. It's a sex tonic and it's got less than five milligrams of caffeine because although I enjoy the caffeine, I always like to just go a little bit lighter for myself. This specific blend includes relaxing aphrodisiacs and it's helpful for tension, to release any stress, and to stimulate any aphrodisiacs for those of you when you need a little extra fire. And there's absolutely no adaptogen washing. Many companies call their herbs and mushrooms adaptogens when they aren't. One of the most inspiring things that I love about this company is their attention to detail and their level of integrity. Did I mention it was a female-owned business? Yes, They are female-owned business, and we are absolutely proud to have them as a sponsor. So support this business and support this podcast. Visit wearerasa.com. And for our listeners, they're offering 15% off when you use the code LOVED. That's wearerasa.com and use the code LOVED, L-O-V-E-D, for 15% off. Or you can use the code on the info button of this particular podcast. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by... By optimizers. Most gut health supplements include all the same old ingredients packed into capsules. But what if there was a breakthrough gut repair supplement that had a new patented ingredient that tasted great and came in a powder form so that you can just add it to your water, add it to coffee, or your favorite smoothie? Well, guess what? That gut repair supplement exists and it's called Leaky Gut Guardian. Not only does it include powerful probiotics and prebiotics, but it also includes a patented one-of-a-kind ingredient called IGY Max. IGY Max is an egg-based protein that enhances gut health, reverses damage caused by antibiotics, and even helps with immunity threats. I don't think I'm overstating the case when I say that IGY Max is one of the most powerful gut nutrients ever discovered, and it's in every serving of Leaky Gut Guardian. By taking Leaky Gut Guardian daily, you'll eliminate bad bacteria, feel the good bacteria, and repair your gut lining and build up your immunity all at the same time. Now here's the fun part. Leaky Gut Guardian comes in two delicious flavors, vegetarian vanilla and chocolate carnivore. The chocolate one's my favorite. And just like it sounds, Bioptimizer's vegetarian vanilla flavor is a vegetarian formula. The chocolate carnivore flavor, on the other hand, is an enhanced formula that includes collagen and bone broth for additional gut healing and anti-aging benefits. Leaky Gut Guardian is easy to add into your daily routine and it could completely transform both your gut health and your immunity. So you experience fewer gut problems, less gas and bloating, and even less sickness. Simply add one scoop of the vegetarian vanilla or the chocolate carnivore to your favorite 
favorite beverage, a coffee, smoothie, or even just a simple glass of water. It mixes well, it tastes delicious, and you'll be helping repair your gut health with powerful prebiotics, probiotics, and the patented IGY Max protein. So what are you waiting for? Repair your gut health and power up your immunity today by trying Leaky Gut Guardian risk-free at leakygutguardian.com forward slash radically loved and use radically loved 10 to receive 10% off of any order. You have 365 day money back guarantee. That's leakygutguardian.com forward slash radically loved. And now back to our show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Radically Loved Radio. This is a special episode, and I'm so excited to be talking to you about uh, something very exciting for me because it's exciting for everybody. It's exciting for me. It's going to be exciting for you. And it's exciting for Tessa. <laughs> it's very exciting for me. <laughs> here's my here's my problem with, with uh, utilizing these kinds of words because I kind of want to find new language to mm. talk about being enthusiastic or being excited about something because sometimes if somebody says they're excited, if I don't feel like they're really excited, it's just, you know, yeah, it's harder to believe service. That's right. <laughs> yeah. It's harder to believe. Um, it's such a crazy thing because, uh, today's, uh, bonus episode is with, uh, Lopa Vandermersch and she is the creator founder of Rasa who is, um, uh, a dear and loving sponsor of this podcast. And I actually had heard about her a couple of years ago because she was on Sahara Rose's podcast. And, um, you know, I, I get pitched all the time. Like I, you know, this, right. We get, mm -hmm. we get constant emails daily. We've get, we get an inbox full of people wanting to pitch themselves or people wanting to pitch a product or, wanting to, to work with the podcast. And I try to be as, as like mindful and as, um, you know, I don't want to say picky, but I, I try to just be mindful with the people that I have on the show because it's really important. I mean, this show always started as a passion project. And there was a time in the first couple of seasons where I was just saying yes to everybody because, I was just so excited and hungry for the information and I wanted to build the platform. And now that we are where we are, you know, it's, it's such an interesting place to be because we do have the ability and the privilege to be able to talk to incredible people like Stephen Kotler or Jensen Cherro or Elizabeth Gilbert or, you know, like these really incredible people. But I still like to talk to regular people because I think it's so important for us to build, help, help build each other up in our community, especially in the wellness community. Mm -hmm. And um, I say that because one of the things for me that really speaks and resonates to me is having somebody relate, me being able to relate with a person's story. And obviously, those of you listening know my background. I grew up in East LA during the LA riots in a very traumatic environment, lots of gangs, lots of violence. It was just a, a really intense time. You know, I had PTSD, I had debilitating panic attacks, I had depression, I was on medication. All of these things uh, helped shape the person that I am now and the, the it helped set the trajectory of, of my life. And so 
I love hearing those kinds of stories. You know, you kind of, re- you re- can relate to certain uh, aspects of people's stories. I'm not saying I only relate to people who had that kind of struggle, but I feel like every single person across the board has had some type of hardship. And for me, I can relate to that. So mm-hmm. just because you didn't grow up in East LA during the riots doesn't mean you didn't have hardship. Mm-hmm. So we can relate to that. So I guess my overall overarching theme is if you've experienced hardship, I'm going to relate to you in some way, shape or form. And so when I heard Lopa's story, I was like, wow, this woman has faced so much adversity. I mean, she was like in a cult, like it was, it was wild. I mean, she really has such an incredible, incredible story uh, about trauma and regaining balance. And, um, you know, she talks about well-being and all of the different uh, resources that helped her get to where she is and sort of what inspired her to start Rasa. Um, And she's like an Ayurveda expert and hello, you and I were obsessed with Ayurveda. I mean, this is, Mm -hmm. this is something that we love learning about all the time. And, um, you know, Lopa worked as an herbalist to create Rasa. It's a coffee alternative that utilizes energy, uh, from within yourself. And, uh, Rasa also creates a stress buffer. So, so people can get out of that stress state. So she goes Mm -hmm. into detail about why she started it and why she got there. And, yeah, she's just so knowledgeable. You know, one of those people that you could just sit down and have this really great conversation and she knows so much about so many things. And yeah, I'm, I'm really excited again, using that word, right? Full circle. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Uh, I'm really excited to share this conversation. Um, yeah. Tess, do, were you able to, to listen into this interview? I haven't let you listen. Well, I can't talk. I have not (laughs) yet listened, but I'm so excited because I remember my first touch with Rasa, um, was at a yoga studio that I teach at in Portland, Oregon. And I just remember being so excited that there was an alternative to actual caffeine that tastes like coffee that tastes good Yes, and makes me feel awake, but not jittery. And it makes me feel like energized, but not crazy. Cause sometimes if I drink too much coffee, yeah. you know, it gives me the jitters and makes me feel crazy. Yeah. So I felt, you know, when we got Lope on the show, I felt a little bit starstruck because I just thought back to my first, um, encounter with Rasa and feeling like, Oh, it's in new seasons. It's in whole foods. I take it with me backpacking when I go in yeah. the summer. And so I'm so excited. I'm excited that she's here. I'm excited that Um, she's created this thing out of her experience and out of her adversity. And speaking of being inspired, I, I so relate to that in the way that I always look up to these people who have reached this in my mind, this certain pinnacle of success and, um, no matter how they got there or what kind of adversity, because like you were saying, Rosie, it comes in so many different forms and shapes and, and some of it comes out of trauma, but some of it's just like. I don't know. We, we all experience adversity in some form or fashion. Oh, you cut out, you cut out when you said. Yeah. So we all experience some sort of adversity, whether it feels really traumatic to us or, you know, it's labeled as traumatic. I don't think that necessarily matters as much as what we do with that, what we learn from it, how we build our support network and, um, 
you know, what we, what we do with our lives as a result. And so it's so inspiring to me to look at these people who've created this thing that they're passionate about, that they share with the world. And what I take from that is I always look at it. Like when, when I get to listen to somebody's story, um, I look at it like a roadmap, like, okay, so this person got to this place, like Stephen Kotler, for example, he's a writer. Mm-hmm. I'm an aspiring writer. Well, he got there somehow, like it's possible. Yeah. Yes. And I, my pathway not might be the same, but I can take little um, gems here and there and, and try it on and see what works for me and kind of create my own pathway out of that. That's, That's right. what I was thinking about when, when you were talking about inspiration. Oh. for sure. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. Then I can't wait for you to listen. It's such a great episode. So for those of you listening or watching this, Lopa Vandermerch is the founder and CEO of Rasa. It's a coffee alternative that is energizing, healthy, and sustainable. After going through a series of traumatic events in 2015, she noticed that coffee only worsened her stress levels. And she looked for the perfect coffee alternative, but didn't find one. So her answer was to make her own coffee alternative and run a business all while being a wife and a mother of two, by the way, by the way. Uh, So she's passionate about the environment. She even co-founded two climate solution companies, and she worked with Richard Branson's uh, Carbon War Room and lobbied for the UN. I mean, this woman is like so inspiring. She's so incredible. And I cannot wait to hear what you guys thought. Um, please check out wearerasa.com to try some of these coffee alternatives. They're incredible. My favorite is the sex tonic. I've talked about it before. It's the spicy rose cacao flavor. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, and there is a code for uh, all of you to use if you want to get 15% off. It's loved l-o-v-e-d so check out wearerasa.com use the code loved and don't forget to share this episode with somebody who you think might benefit from it without further delay here is our conversation with lopa hello everybody welcome back to another episode of radically loved radio i'm joined by somebody very special and somebody who i just feel instantly (laughs) connected with Uh, i'm so excited to have you on the show lopa we are huge fans of of rasa and we are very excited to have you on the show today it is a delight to be here rosie and the feeling is mutual i felt like oh it's you Yeah, really, really nice to be here and really excited to see where our conversation will go. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, you, we were just talking before we started recording and you were talking about uh, energy, you were talking about Rasa. So can you, can you just go into that story? You started to kind of broadly explain it. I'm like, oh, tell me more about the, the energy and sort of your, your desire to go into that, that space. Mm, yeah. Um, for me, the, the inspiration for Rasa came out of needing to energize myself in a different way. Um, back after I had my first child in 2015, um, I had an unbelievably stressful year. I call it my own personal 2020. After 2020 happened, I was like, oh, okay, now I have a context for this. I had my own 2020 and like I had two emergency surgeries, moved across the country, left a cult that was also a legitimate spiritual tradition and practice, but totally traumatic and culty. Um, had a death in the family, a huge falling out with my, my own family, and then had a baby. And I was fried. My nervous system was fried. Um, the spiritual work we were doing involved a lot of kundalini activation. And so my nervous system was just like really stretched to the max. And then 
you know, a lot of moms drink coffee to get through those early years. And the few times I tried it, like it was bad. It was a bad situation. And I was like, I need a different source of energy. And then I started thinking about my history with yoga and meditation and spiritual practice and thinking about all these yogis and Ayurveda practitioners that I know um, and, and Ayurveda enthusiasts who drink coffee as, as kind of a normal event. And I was like, wow, this is a lot on, on your nervous system. And if you're cultivating a tremendous amount of subtlety, you know, and then you're kind of jacking up your nervous system in this way. And like, it's a little bit of a divorce from our natural energy appetites and our natural energy sources. And I started getting just interested in, you know, how could we energize from a deeper source and how could we do something that's actually supporting us coming from our energy within, as opposed to kind of like doing an externalized kind of uh, like the, what are the, the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like a shock. Yes, for those who are listening, um, I just pantomimed that and I'm sure <laughs> we played charades just now. Yeah, totally. um, so, um, uh, yeah, I worked with an herbalist and together we, we brought together herbs from Ayurveda, Chinese medicine and Western herbalism to create this blend. And since then I've been on my own energy journey of looking at how am I sourcing my energy? How am I leaking my energy? Mm. And, you know, looking at the whole system, because I, you know, one of the things that I, 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 I resist against any company that's like, our product is the answer. And like, Rasa is not going to solve anybody's like complete energy woes. It's not a replacement for a healthy lifestyle. It's not, um, it, it, you know, no product is going to solve your, solve your life, but there's so many things that you can do to like source yourself from a deeper well and source yourself from that infinite well within. Um, and this is a tool that supports that and can help um, in part because of the adaptogens that are in Rasa and the way that those herbs work in your system, they, they give you a little bit of a stress buffer. And when we're in a stress state, we're not coming from our cognitive executive function. We're not coming from our best self by definition, we're, we're like, Meh. Um, and so getting a little bit of support from those herbs to just create a little bit of that stress buffer so you can get out of that stress state and then make better decisions about the life that you're living and, and how you're sourcing yourself. Um, that's, that's what really excites me. Yeah. I mean, you, there's so many things that you said, and I want to just kind of go back to, to everything. I'm sure people, some people are still like, wait, what? She said cult, like what, (laughs) what just happened? We, we sometimes like talk about that first year and ads and stuff. And people are like, uh, did someone say cult? Do you just blow my cult as if that was like normal? (laughs) You just blew. Yeah. You just blew right through that for, to give people a little bit more context. How old were you when this happened and, and how, how did this help shape like your, your attunement to getting into Ayurveda and getting into these, uh, you know, these, these more, uh, sort of like ancient methodologies to get you into a a state of wholeness? Yeah. Well, it's super complicated. Um, I, I first started, uh, I was, I took initiation into a Kashmiri Shaivite Tantra lineage when I was 23. Um, I was spiritually hungry from when I was like 16, you know, just was like, as soon as I found out that enlightenment was a thing, I was like, yes, I want that. That's the thing that I want. Um, and, um, the first 
uh, lineage that I took initiation into, um, amazing, amazing teacher who is also incredibly power abusive, um, having sex with students, you know, money issues, the whole thing. Um, and I managed to get out of that one relatively scot-free. The, there was a sever in the relationship and there was a lot of things that came out after I left where I was like, oh, that was a bit more fucked up than I realized. Um, but I still received a tremendous exposure and training to Ayurveda, to Tantra, to yoga, pranayama, kriya, puja. I'm well-trained in puja, jyotish, you know, a lot of the Indian traditions. It was a very real, tremendously non-appropriate. It was, it was cultural preservation as opposed to appropriation um, and, and, and an extant lineage. Like I trace back my lineage to actually my I'm named after somebody in the lineage Lopa Mudra, um, who's a, a acharya of the the Rishi of the Sri Vidya tradition. Which if you ever see that um, the yantra with all the triangles, yeah. yes. Um, and uh, so you know it was, it was very much a part of this tradition. And there was this likely narcissistic person who you know took lineage and. His teacher also turned out to be tremendously abusive. We found out posthumously. Um, and uh, so I left that situation, and it, but it primed me to get into a much more abusive and traumatic situation. So that was, I was with him until I guess I was about 30. And then, um, let's see, how old am I now? Today I had the first experience of forgetting how old I was. I was oh. actually like I had to ask somebody. I was like, "Wait, did I turn thirty-seven or thirty-eight last year?" And, I was like, <laughs> and then she's like, uh, "We can do the math." I was like, "Oh yeah, right. <laughs> I'm thirty-eight." Um, so this was, I think, from thirty-one to thirty-three um, that I got involved with this teacher in Bali. Um, incredibly powerful, charismatic. I mean, I think she's like a real yogini and has a certain amount of enlightenment. But again, it's an experience of like uh, my understanding of it is like certain certain stones were left unturned in personality. Um, dysfunction, you know, in the ways that we adapt, you know, the yes. way, and, and so that was carried onto and into a, a profound enlightenment experience and a, and a continuation of that experience. But then it just added a lot of power to that egoic dysfunction and that egoic kind of um, problem. And um, yeah. so while I had very powerful and beautiful experiences with her, I mean, it wasn't all terrible. It was also deeply traumatic, required a lot of healing and um, yeah, very uh, frying in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting. So much of what you're saying, I just like, you know, I, I want to know, I want to know more because especially for yoginis, you know, I'm also a student of Tantra. So this is the, the lineage that I've been mm. studying for the last, you know, 10 plus years, you know, yeah. and we're the same age. And, you know, this, this whole idea that we go into these practices and we dive into these different types of modalities to get more uh, attunement to who and what we are, right? To cultivate that discernment, to understand ourselves on a deeper level. And it's so interesting how we can get to that place and all of a sudden just feel, okay, so I need to be able to discern now. And we see how you know, my, my teacher Rod, uh, yoga Rupa Rod Stryker talks about this all the time, how if we do not unturn those stones, 
in the process of excavating, you know, our egoic self or, you know, our, our narratives of who we are, then we run the risk of expanding what is already there. Meaning if I'm a little bit of a narcissist, just a little bit, and I do these practices that are supposed to exalt all of these different things, guess what's going to happen? My little bit of narcissism is going to turn into an expanded mega version of my narcissism. And I think that that goes directly to your point of what you're saying about this person. It's like, they kind of, they don't turn. It's like, nobody turns. People just expand what's already there, right? It's like, we're shining a light on the, the, the shadow of, of what is already present. I love what you were saying about when you were talking about Kundalini and how it, it gets you into this really subtle place of, of feeling, right? You get so uh, attuned to the subtleties of energy and then you're like jarring your system with like all the other stuff. I, I'm curious to what your idea, what your opinion is for, for the millions of people out there who are wanting to get more attuned to the subtle energy. They're wanting to go inward. They're wanting to do more practices like yoga and meditation, mindfulness, Kundalini. And, uh, then we have like a traumatic event, like 2020 happen. Like what happens? Where do we go? Like, how do we regain our balance back? How do we come back into ourselves? So I'm curious, like, yeah, after you having, now that you have context, right, living through last year and having your, your own uh, other 2020 experience, how were you able to restore yourself back? Did it make it easier? And, and what do you think the common misalignment is in our society today? I know that's a lot of questions, but I figured we could just go with it. I lost you for a little bit. The internet froze a, a little bit in there, but um, talking about how do you regain balance after um, coming back from something like a 2020, yes. whether it's personal 2020 or a global 2020. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and how to come back to that sensitivity because we've all been bludgeoned by right. reality. And and the interesting thing I think is, you know, that I, my experience of modern society having having had the, the blessing of being able to step outside of that in certain ways in my traditions and really embrace and live a more indigenous wisdom. Um, and so I've like been able to have a foot in both worlds. Modern society in and of itself is a blunt object on our nervous systems, even without um, all that happened in 2020. But, you know, the technological involvement, the way that we nourish ourselves, the amount of, of busyness um, is not conducive to, to cultivating that sensitivity. And then, and then you add something like, like 2020 on top of that. And, um, you know, so many, the alcohol sales are up so much, Netflix watching is up so much. And this is not to blame anyone for that. I drank way more in 2020 than I ever have in my entire life too, and watched a lot more TV, you know, it, it like we, some, some of that is, is, is fine. You know, like we're, we, we have to go to whatever we can to cope. And I think it's also about cultivating, you talked about discernment, having that discernment to know like, when am I using this as, you know, it's totally okay to like soften the edges of life a little bit, have that drink, you know, watch that binge watch, whatever, you know, like, and that's actually just allowing a pleasurable passive passage of time. 
Um, and when is that? I am I am going into something that's actually like down the road that's I don't want to go on, you know, and and only we can know that for ourselves. And sometimes we go down that road that we don't want to go on, and it takes us being okay. I'm pretty far down here. Now it's time to walk back. And you you don't get to like go on to another road. You have to walk back. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. like we go far down that road. Like you actually have to go back the way you came because there is this recultivation. There's this resensitization. There's this stepwise movement towards um, towards the life that you want to create. Yeah. And um, the thing that I you know can can most speak to is like you have to start small and you have to start easy. Like you have to do the the next easiest pleasurable thing that you are willing to do, you know, and that sometimes I always come back to the breath because the breath is always there and it's always available, but like, yeah, we will just <laughs> breathe uh. more, um, you know, it, it's always there and it's always available. And if it sometimes, like if you're in a tough spot, like that might be the only thing you have. Can I take one deep breath now? And that's already infusing more relaxation and more regulation into your nervous system. Um, and, and those things start to spiral. So you, you take that one step, whatever that is, it's a breath. It's a, I'm going to do yoga for one minute. I'm going to do a single sun salutation or whatever, you know, and then you celebrate that. And, and there's this is something I've been um, learning because I went down a pretty dark path myself. Like, you know, my Q4 was one of my darkest years since starting oh. the, um, the business. It was just like, I was just so exhausted. And so I, I started working with this coach and he was like, you have to do the next easiest thing and you need to celebrate it and really bathe in that celebration. And that is what is going to like reinforce on your nervous system and like help those neurotransmitters. The, the dopamine's gonna be like, oh, I did the thing. I did the yoga. Okay, what's the next thing? I'm gonna drink a cup of water. You know, what's the next thing? And then it slowly, slowly those little things that you feel like maybe you can't quite do or like just don't feel in reach because you're just so depressed or you're just so, you know, overwhelmed or whatever, they start to build on each other and those start to become natural habits. And then you start to be like, okay, it is worth it waking up a little bit earlier and going to sleep a little bit earlier so I can do 20 minutes of practice or I can do 30 minutes of practice, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of technology fasting um, and oh. responsible relationship to technology. Me too. Um, Let's talk it, about that. Yes. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> um, my experience having done it many, many times is anytime I, like, it's kind of the four hour mark where I'm like, suddenly it's like tendrils of my consciousness are coming back together. And I am like way less fragmented and just like, it's like I have, <laughs> you're making a face like you really understand what I mean. Oh, I'm so <laughs> with you right now. Oh. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it's so fragmenting. I mean, you know, like, like we've, this has been just in the last, you know, 10 years that we've gotten this kind of merging of, of a new way of, with technology. And we get on our phones and we switch apps and we're all over the place. And think about like when you're cultivating a meditation practice, when you're trying to cultivate stability of mind, stability of self, a seat for consciousness to awaken, like you get on your phone and like you, you, you know, you're like scrolling Facebook and you get 50 different pieces of data in like a one minute period. And, you know, it's just all these little fragmentations. I remember when I first, I got on Instagram late um, in the game in general. And when I first started getting into it and I was like, oh, this is amazing. And I was going down these Instagram rabbit holes and all these things. And then I dreamed, like I dreamed in Instagram. 
it was this like, and I was like, oh my God, this is what this is doing to my brain. You know, like this wow. is, I got to see like kind of these rabbit holes in this like 3D kind of structure of like going into like people's houses and people's rooms. And, you know, and it was wow. a very distinct like kind of transmission dream Wild. of this you're changing your brain right now and now it's normalized in my system like now it doesn't seem unusual it doesn't seem weird and and that's for all of us and so to the extent that we can you know put borders on that thing put you know have a strong relationship to it um and know that nowhere it's helpful nowhere it's hurtful and and to that for that you need to have that extra space you need to have that little bit of, of wherewithal to have that metacognitive awareness of, okay, this is how I'm using this in a healthy way and it's supporting my business and it's supporting my connection with other people and, you know, during the pandemic and that sort of thing. And this is where I'm really, you know, I'm just going down that path that I actually don't want to go down um, and then build in rituals, build in habits, build in rules for yourself. Sometimes it starts as rules and then it, rules can become rituals. Um, it does depend on how you, you relate to them. And it, I think it's important to not be too rigid about things in general. I'm yes. about nuance over dogma, um, whether it comes to technology or diet or whatever. Um, but still it, like having, sometimes it helps to put those guardrails on and to have those rules. And then eventually it becomes something that's doesn't feel like an imposition on yourself, but feels like a way that you're respecting and nourishing yourself. Yeah, I, man, I so agree. Everything that you're saying, I'm, you're literally speaking into my soul right now. Because especially, I love what you said, nuance over dogma, because I feel that a lot of the times I'll speak for myself, I can get very rigid with my, I do something that's, you know, on that path where you're like, oh, fuck it, I already did it. Might as well just keep going. I already just, I already, you know, took the day off to just watch the show on Netflix. And now the next day I'm feeling really lethargic and I'm just going to keep watching TV. You know, like I do this thing where I really allow myself to do it and get it out of my system and then just gently walk back. Whereas before I would really berate myself and make myself feel bad about it and say like, oh, of course you're going to do this or you're such a loser. Like, why, why don't, can't you get your shit, to, get your shit together? Like, you know, and that was really, you know, so a really hard thing for me to reconcile, to be able to come back and, and get the, the energy to put those systems back into place without feeling bad about it. Um, but also, thinking about technology as we're talking about technology and how it's a very innate design is to keep us in that circle and that loop and that connection. Now there's this, you know, I don't know if you've heard of clubhouse. I'm on it. Yeah. So for me lately, it's been this thing where I don't even know where the time goes. I could be listening to a conversation and it's two hours in. And as much as it is helpful. Like I do feel the, in the beginning, it felt really energizing and very exciting because I loved hearing certain people. And then after a while now it's just become this, I can start to feel how it could be a little bit of a drain where it feels, yeah, a little bit like seeping energy away as opposed to putting energy in. And I think that the most important thing that we can do is really find where that value is for yourself and know what those inputs are for you to 
recalibrate and to re-nourish and to add more energy into your cup as opposed to seeping it out. So I think that, you know, for, I love that what you were saying too about Q4, because my, my basically Q2, three and four were just all of my events, uh, which is a, a large portion of my income got canceled, you know, my trainings, my workshops, my speaking engagements, all three just were gone. And it was a, a very scary time. And during that time, you know, with everything that was, and then you add just living in this country for the last, especially the last on, in an, on an election year, which was really tough for so many people. I finally was able to get to this place where I could assess, okay, just do it one thing, one step at a time, one thing at a time, just one small feat. I love what you were saying about sell it, like really immersing your immersing yourself into that celebration of that one thing, like really allow yourself to have the experience of celebrating that win as small of a win as you think it might be just really allowing yourself to just, yeah, be grateful that you're here. Like I really had a, it, a perspective shift last year because I did spend a majority of the year traveling and I was able to be home. Essentially, I've been home for a year, which is I haven't been home in a year for eight plus years. I mean, it, it's really been a long time. And so I was able to really nourish that and create rituals and be able to create a new system here, which I'm really grateful for. And it helped change my perspective. Um, so I'm curious for you, like saying what you're saying and, and framing it in a way where you kind of do a little bit at a time and you create things that work for you, for your life. What are, what are the things that are helpful for you? I mean, you're a business owner, you're a parent, you're a wife, you're, you know, you have all of these hats that you have to wear. How do you manage to keep it in balance? And, and what do you do to replenish your own energy? Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a great question. Um, and so much, it's a, it's a constant, a constant recalibration and assessment. And you were talking about um, having the discernment to know when you're, you know, when you're emptying, when you're seeping out of your cup and when you're filling your cup. And um, that discernment yoga is really helpful for cultivating that discernment and also cultivating the container so that you have this awareness of what the cup is. Um, and then you start to have that, that feeling of, oh, this is energy going out. This is energy going in. And so, you know, seeing just, I think first, like starting to have that awareness, even if it's just a tiny little bit of awareness of like, oh, this really kind of drains me in a way that's not just like, oh, I don't like doing the dishes. It drains me in a different way, you know, um, <clears throat> versus this is, oh, this actually filled my cup a little bit. Yeah. Uh, just, just to be a little bit more nuanced, like you're saying that, how do you feel it's, it's draining your energy? Like, can you, can you pinpoint it? I always love to ask people this, you know, like, do you feel it in your body? Is it a sense? Is it a thought? Like what happens? Um, there, the, usually there's, they say, um, State, story follows state. And so I, my experience is that it, I, I'm somatically inclined. And so it does start in the body. Um, and I would say for me, it, it feels like my energy goes sort of down, um, like, like literally like there's a downward pull on my energy. Mm. Um, and like, if I were to, you know, and it's subtle and I might not, if I'm going fast, I might not pay attention to notice it. But if I did actually really take the time to be like, why do I feel suddenly like 
like like there's a magnetic pull towards my feet like the apana is is really yeah. going downward um and then usually there's a thought process as well sometimes there's some tightness around the heart and like kind of a like heavy wetness in the heart um and then um usually there's a thought for me it's like oh i don't feel supported or i don't feel seen or there's some it often in that case kind of goes to a blame situation. Um, you know, in part my context is I'm handling so much and like, don't they, doesn't everybody see all the hats I'm wearing and all the things that I'm doing, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and uh, yeah, so learning to listen to that <clears throat> and learning to say like, okay, what can I do about this feeling? Because I deserve to have my needs met. What and sometimes, you know, I mean, for so many people in the country today, like working moms, like it's an impossible situation not having your kids in school and trying to, you know, cover it. And you can be like, well, like there, there's not a lot that can be done in that kind of context. Like there's there's not a lot of feeling of freedom to, to change your circumstances. And so then, you know, for me, like that was one of the things that I was noticing is that I was feeling really trapped in my situation. I was feeling like, I can't get away from my kids. You know, obviously I want to be a great parent. I'm, you know, feeling stuck in my business. Like I'm a slave to my business. I work all the time. And if I'm not working, I'm with the kids and I never get to take care of myself. All of these kind of stories that we, that we build up. And that's a very victim orientation. And you may rightfully feel victim. Like that may feel you may be trapped in certain ways. And there's also the reality and the other perspective. I would sometimes just sit there and be like, I chose this. I chose to have kids. I know that I didn't totally know what that was going to turn out to be, but here I am. I chose this. I chose to have this business. Um, I didn't totally know what that would turn out to be, but I'm choosing that. And, and, and I would sometimes go into this little thought exercise of like, well, I could leave. I could leave actually, like I could run away and I could go and disappear into, you know, a retreat and I could, you know, leave it all. And the reality is, is that I don't want those consequences. I actually want my business and my kids and my life more than I want the potential consequences of not having that. And so there is like a tiny bit of mindset empowerment of like, okay, even though this is really fucking hard right now, um, I, I am actually choosing this. And so getting out of <clears throat> a big energy cultivation piece for me was mindset and starting to train myself towards uh, what am I actually grateful for and what's actually good here. My nervous system is overwhelmed. I am exhausted. All those things are true and not going to change, but I have a beautiful piece of art on the wall. That plant is really healthy. My kid just gave me a beautiful hug. You know, like I started really small in this kind of, in cultivate, cultivating a teacher of mine used to call it praise mind. Um, <clears throat> I think that might be Martine Prechtel originally. Um, cultivate our praise mind, cultivate our gratitude. And for whatever we have, like, hey, we have a house. You know, like I have a house. That's amazing. There, there are a lot of people who are really freaking cold right now. Um, and I get to live in a house and, you know, okay, my house is messy, but like I have things that can make a house messy. Like we, we, the dishes are there because we cooked and we have food and, you know, like starting just at that basic level um, might seem hard if you're super overwhelmed and super exhausted. It might be like, yeah, I know, but like that's, um, this doesn't mean that I'm happy, but it actually starts to train your brain towards being oriented to the positive instead of just the negative. So like our brains are wired to remember the negative with more force because that helps our survival mechanism. 
Um, but if we actually train our brains towards the positive and we train our brains towards like, I can move my arms and my body, you know, I, I, I am a, a, an able-bodied person, like that's very lucky. Or if you are disabled, like what can you move? And like, you know, focus on the things that we, that where we do have freedom. Um, I had this kind of inner mantra for myself of just freedom. Like, where can I have feel mm. freedom that I do have? Like, I keep on focusing on how I feel trapped, but where do I have freedom? I have freedom to watch this Netflix show or not if I want. I have freedom to stay up late. I have freedom to, you know, I have freedom in what I dress. I have freedom in how I take care of my body. I have freedom in, you know, I can take five minutes. I have freedom in, I could take every single breath of my day deeply. I don't, but I have that freedom. And if I cultivate that and I cultivate that as a practice, there in and of itself is a very energizing, self-regulating practice that costs absolutely nothing. Yes. Oh, that's so true. And it's so, it's so good. I mean, to really think about it like that, as you're saying that I'm thinking there's this practice, not practice. It's something that I used to do. Have you ever had a cold, a cold, not a cold sore, canker sore, like in your mouth, you know, those little like cuts, yeah. And I remember as a teenager having, having those and they were so painful, like they were just so painful and I couldn't eat and everything I drank, it just really hurt. And I would always remember, remember how great, grateful you are to not have one when you don't have one. Yes. And so it's such a strange thing. And I was learning a lot about mindfulness during that time. I was reading a lot of, um, you know, books about being in the present state and, you know, uh, a lot of um, uh, John Kabat-Zinn books and Jack Kornfield. Mm -hmm. And that stood with me until this day. And we're the same age, you know, and I think about even now, as you're saying, I'm like, I don't have a, I don't have a cold sore or like a canker sore in my mouth. Like, oh, it's so nice to not have that pain, you know, to not feel that. And yeah. Like, as you're saying, okay, I have arms. I can take a deep breath. If I, if I can, am I going to, I might not, but it's, I love what you're talking about training the mind to, um, to get into that state, you know, one of my big things, and, and I, I want to talk a little bit more about this and I'm like looking at the time and I'm feeling like, wow, I feel like I haven't even asked you the questions that I wanted to ask, but my big thing with creating that energy and creating that in, intentionality has been ritual. Like I'm a big ritual person. I have a morning ritual I, I stick to, and I've been doing it for so long. Even when I travel, it doesn't matter what time zone I'm in. I can, I can do it. And if I don't do it, I, I just haven't, I haven't not done it in so long. I wouldn't know what it's like to not do it because I've just been doing it for so long. But for me, it's like getting from a place of having the intention to do something and actually executing it. There's this thing that happens when you actually start to do it, when it becomes, instead of a rule, like you said, it becomes a ritual. Mm -hmm. So how do we, how, for, for the people that are listening to this or watching this and they're really loving what you're saying, what you're talking about, and maybe perhaps they're reflecting on their own life and maybe how they can be a little bit more present, a little bit more intentional, a little bit more uh, praiseful of the things that they have in their life. Maybe they're wanting to create more ritual. They're wanting to create more intentionality. Like what are, what are a couple of things that have helped you? Maybe like three or four things that have helped you to create that or, or what you would recommend for people to do? 
Yeah, I'll, I'll first start with like a, a framing. Um, my puja teacher taught me that anytime that your body, speech and mind or body energy and mind are in alignment, that's ritual. So you can actually make every single moment ritual. And if you are choosing to watch Netflix and that you're 100% in it, that's, you can make that ritual. Like if you're, but if you're doing the thing like you were saying where you're judging yourself and being like, well, I shouldn't be doing this. That's your mind doing something else while your body and your energy is like, well, I want to really want to watch this show. And so then you're in that, you're already splitting your energy. You're already spilling energy by not being aligned. So one of the way, one of the things that's been one of the most important things for me in terms of cultivating energy is actually integrity. And that's when I'm, my thought and my action and the way I feel are to the, as much as possible, you know, that they're in alignment. And when I notice that they're not, I'm like, Jesus, this is a lot of freaking energy. You know, I have so much going on in my life right now. I don't have time for, um, for things to be going in different directions. So um, I notice when those, those kinds of spills happen. So first notice the rituals that you do have. For example, my husband and I just realized that we had a ritual of like kind of being on the couch on our phones after the kids go to bed, you know, for a while. And, and we also had this idea that we didn't have time to connect and we didn't have time to, you know, do all these things. We would either like watch TV or, you know, we weren't reading books, we weren't, but it was our ritual and it was so kind of invisible to us that we hadn't really realized that that's what we were doing. And then it was just last week that I like went into the bedroom instead of going downstairs. And I was like, huh, I usually go downstairs, but I'm just kind of in the bedroom. And then we ended up just talking for hours and just like having this beautiful healing conversation. We were like, wow, like let's, let's create a new ritual here. So, you know, I think in terms of so that, that's like some, some personal context around it. And hopefully, you know, these anecdotes are helpful to, to people. Um, but in terms of actually starting to create ritual, you know, first it's, it's about like getting to like, what is it that you want? And that can be, can be tricky in a, in a society where we're constantly kind of projected what we should want. Um, and so, you know, like it takes time and it takes connecting with yourself. And that might be the first step. You make a ritual of connecting yourself with yourself to really figure out what you want, because what you want is to know what you want, you know, and really get in touch with that deeper soul yearning and that like, what is my, my soul's purpose here? What am I here to do? What is my um, alignment with the greater cosmos, the unfolding of the cosmos? Um, I do find that having perspective, reading, reading spiritual things, you know, like under, like listening to astrology, tapping into what's bigger than you in whatever way moves you in whatever way, you know, speaks to you and excites you. Um, there's so many different ways to tap into the what's bigger than you. And that starts to give you a relationship to like, it's not just me and my little life and my problems and, you know, my personal stuff, but you know, what is this bigger context and how do I stay connected to that? And then in that context, what is my deeper yearning and what is it that I want in my life? What is the ritual that I want? And it could be as, as simple too. It might just be like, well, I wanna be healthier or I wanna be calmer or I wanna you know, just feel better in my body. So much of what most of us want is to feel good. Um, and um, there's, there's so much that we can do in support of that. And each of us has different things that, that nourish that. And so 
you know, it can be really helpful too to, to start making a list and just like keep a running list of the things that make you feel good. Just like, you know, it doesn't have to be like where you sit down and just pour it all out in 20 minutes or an hour, but like you just keep adding to it like, oh, I noticed I bought flowers for myself and that felt really good. I'm going to write that down. Okay. And all of these different things. And you start reading that and, and training yourself again towards the positive and again towards the, the what is it that you want. Um, and then, you know, I think it's about starting really small. Like I, I so respect and absolutely love that you have this really solid ritual and my reality with kids and, you know, I've got two kids, five and under, um, and a startup, it's, you know, uh, uh, a lot of stability in my <laughs> daily life is not, it's just not going to happen right now. Right. So it's like, what, what are the little things that I can insert? Like I have a little, like I have a short version of an Ayurvedic ritual, self-care ritual that I do kind of every day. I have certain things that I just kind of keep coming back to, um, for me, drinking rasa, of course, is one of them. Like, and I usually try and have like one, at least one, like I am drinking this consciously and I'm really taking it in and I'm feeling the nourishment. And then that kind of sets the tone for like, oh, right. I'm like opening my body towards receiving this. Um, I stick a lot of oil in my nose. That's something that I do too. Like some good nausea oil. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, I'll just like do that and stick it in my pinky and stick it in my nose. Like I do that a bunch and that does feel like it nourishes my nervous system. And so that, you know, these like little things that I can insert in, into my day that are right sized for my life and where it's at right now. Like when I was younger and I didn't have all these responsibilities, I do three to five hours of yoga and meditation practice a day. It was amazing. Um, not going to happen anytime soon. It's just not my reality. <laughs> and so also like looking at your life and looking at the circumstances and doing what you can to draw nourishment from what is there and like yeah. drawing nourishment from my kids instead of like being in relationship to duty and responsibility and, and all of that. Um, that was a lot. and wasn't like a nice, like one through four four list. No, four. it's fine. It's good. It'll be in the, well, in the show notes, people will be able to like see them all. I think okay. it'll be incredible. No, there's, and super helpful. I mean, I'm really, um, just it, having these conversations is always so enlightening for me because I'm, I'm one of those big, uh, proponents on, you know, we teach what we need to learn. And so for me, even though I've, I've been teaching for as long as I have, I always still will forever feel like a student. And I, I love to relearn all of these things. Even as you're saying that, I'm like, wow, you know, I have to be able to be grateful to be able to have that time. I definitely want to have a family in the future. And how much longer am I going to be able to actually have this, you know, this, more, this morning ritual? I got to just enjoy it. And I, I love what you're saying, truly, the takeaway being use any little moments that you can to nourish yourself and to utilize that as ritual and, and to align yourself to your highest. So I, I'm so grateful for you and I'm so grateful for just what you've created, your story, your ability to articulate so beautifully and to just continue to uh, inspire so many people with your product, with your words, just with what you created in your life. And thank you so much for sharing your story here. Uh, we at Radically Loved are huge fans, obviously. Uh -huh. <laughs> and we, we're just, we're super, super grateful for the people that are listening to this or watching this. Where can they go for more information? We are at um, wearerasa.com. And um, 
on Instagram as well. We are Rasa as well as Facebook. Uh, we are also available on Amazon, but we have our full catalog. We have eight different products and those are all available on our website along with some other beautiful products that we um, curate from like-minded businesses. And we do have a special gift for all of you listening. If you use the code LOVED, you'll get 15% off of all of the incredible Rasa products, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're so excited. Thank you again so much, Lopa. You are uh, truly an inspiring uh, woman. And I'm so, so grateful that we got to connect. We would love to have you on the show again. Uh, if you will come and join us and um, we're, we're so grateful. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure, Rosie. Love the conversation. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I am so excited to continue to do this. Please share this with your friends. Email us, message us on Instagram at Rosie Acosta or on Twitter at Rosie Acosta. Subscribe on iTunes, write a review. We love doing this. So please help us continue to keep this podcast going. Thanks for listening.